Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, the Apostle Paul declared, quote, Deacons, likewise, are to be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. There is literally nothing more important for us as Christians or as Christian leaders than to grow in being increasingly sincere in every manner and every way. Our Heavenly Father cannot move on our behalf when we are pretentious, when we are disingenuous, when we are inauthentic, or when we are fake. Let's open our Bible now to 1 Timothy chapter 3 that we might learn what it means to be truly sincere and its absolute necessity for leaders in the body of Christ. to believe what the Word of God says, most importantly about Jesus, and having believed in receiving Christ as our only Savior for the forgiveness of our sins, the salvation of our soul, deliverance from eternal hell, and to go to heaven when we die, having received Christ, having received eternal life, having trusted in Him alone for our salvation, then we spend the rest of our lives laboring to please him, which is to say to grow to be like him more and more, and inasmuch we are pleasing to our Heavenly Father. So Father, we thank you for our, your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. Father, we ask you to forgive us and cleanse us of unrighteousness, Father. We thank you that we have this Bible. We thank you for this book of Timothy, Father. We thank you for these instructions for elders and deacons. And I ask you to forgive us. Forgive me where I, where I, you know, fall short on these things, Lord, um, you know, from time to time, Father. So we just thank you for your, your love and your mercy in our lives. Above all, of course, Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, we worship you and thank you today. Holy Spirit, we ask you now to lead us and guide us as we open your word. Give us eyes that see, we pray, ears to hear, and hearts that understand. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Okay. All right. First Timothy 3, Lord willing, we'll do 8 to 16. In verses 1 to 7, he discussed the qualifications for elders. Now in 8 to 16, he's going to discuss deacons and give some closing remarks to close out the chapter. So verse 8. Deacons, likewise, are to be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives are to be women worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be the husband of but one wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. 
Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Beyond all question, the mystery of godliness is great. He appeared in a body, was vindicated by the spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, so again, in the first seven verses, we had, you know, 15 qualities of, of an elder, right? Um, well, the first one was above reproach. And then 14 qualities that as we live them out more and more and more and more as elders, um, we will be more and more above reproach. Now, the qualities for a deacon, every single thing it says for a deacon, an elder needs to practice as well. Okay, every single one of them. Okay, uh, the word deacon actually means servant, but there are some different things listed under deacon. Um, as I was studying and preparing for this, um, a couple of the scholars made the point that when we get to heaven, we're going to find more deacons with bigger heavenly rewards than there will be elders. Okay, now that shouldn't be, but there are there are generally more deacons than there are elders. But the point is, uh, a deacon is often the one doing the work on the ground, okay? He, he's often more of a ground man. Now, it shouldn't be that way. Uh, it's clear that you don't just jump from, you know, just Christian to elder, okay? There ought to be, a, a you know, a consistent growth in leadership, up in the in the church that 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 you're in or in the ministry that you're in um you know to different you know levers level uh, levels of leadership it's it's very clear that that the elders would have first been deacons okay um and you know it, it says things like deacons must be tested an elder needs to be tested even more the implication would be that the elder elder was a deacon and he had already gone through the testing and testing just simply means that you know, you're serving in the body of Christ um, and, you know, people can see your service and your manner, um, you know, how you're living your life, your character and building others up and encouraging them and exhorting them and holding them accountable. Uh, the, the body of Christ can see that you're just consistently using, that these men are using their time, their gifts, their talents uh, and their money, their resources just consistently in the service of the kingdom of God, Monday through Saturday, okay? That's essential, okay? For anyone to be a leader in any church or any ministry, if, if all they're doing is serving on Sunday, they, they ought not be a leader. Now, the problem is we wouldn't have any leaders for the most part, or we would have very few leaders. But as leaders in the church, we ought to be walking with Christ, obviously, seven days a week, okay? Sunday should be dessert. Okay, you go to church on Sunday, it's a good thing. You're serving in church. You listen to a good Bible-based sermon, but that ought to be about 3 to 5% of your overall Christian walk, what happens on Sunday. It's a good thing. It's an important thing, but it, the majority of your walk ought to be what happens the rest of Sunday and all day and all night, Monday to Saturday. All right. Verse 8. It says, deacons likewise are to be men. So like elders... It implies that, again, all the qualities that an elder has, a deacon should have. Um, now, it's it's not required that a deacon be able to teach. It's, that's not in the list of deacons. It's required as an elder that you be able to teach 
um, particularly one-on-one, okay, um, that you be able to, to really articulate the truths of the Word of God and especially the gospel one-on-one. Now, as a deacon, that's something you can be growing in, you can be improving in, and that clearly ought to be something that, that you're working on. Now, again, all of the qualities that are listed for elders and deacons, every one of us ought to work on. Okay, all of us ought to be working hard on all of these things, right? Every one of us is Christians, all right? Deacons, likewise, are to be men worthy of respect, okay? Deacons, likewise, okay? So again, now this is a, you know, this is not a better or worse position. This is a position of leadership in the church, but it has less responsibility and less authority, okay? Deacons, likewise, are to be men, first of all, worthy of respect, okay? So again, just... They're known to be about Jesus. They're known to be about the Son of God, the kingdom of God, and the Word of God, and they have a heart to serve. It certainly doesn't mean they're perfect, right? They do everything right. They don't do everything wrong. Um, Again, one of the biggest themes in the scriptures is repentance. And again, the more we grow as deacons and elders, the more we're able to see when our behavior is improper, the more we're able to acknowledge it, the more we're able to repent. Um, and again, sometimes we have to do that over and 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 over. The proverb says a righteous man may fall seven times, but he'll rise again. The reason he rises again is because he rightly understands where he fell. He rightly understands or she, you know, uh, where they were out of place and they earnest, earnestly repent, get back up and keep trying. That ought to be a staple in every deacon and every elder. Now, again, this is not a license for just unmitigated sin. But the point is, the more mature we get, the more we ought to be convicted. The more certainly we will be convicted, okay? A mark of immaturity in a deacon or an elder or a church leader is where they don't recognize their own shortcomings. And that that is something, okay? It, we can get to a point and, you know, where where we can be conceited or we can be arrogant, where we can actually think like, you know, we're the elders or we're the ones in spiritual authority or, or we're the fathers, um, you know, we're the ones doing the, the blessing and the commissioning, right? And, and we can actually think that there are not things in our lives that are out of place. Accountability works both ways, okay? And that's important, okay? Um, as, as the church is certainly accountable to the elders and deacons, the elders and deacons are accountable to the church, okay? Um, and so, again, there ought to be a, an attitude of humility in, in, in a church leadership position. And, again, that's best seen when, when our pastors, our elders, our deacons, our church leaders don't carry themselves as if they don't have things in their life they need to work on, right? Deacons, likewise, are to be men worthy of respect, Okay, sincere. This is interesting. It doesn't say this about elders. Obviously, if you're going to be promoted from deacon to elder, you have to have all these qualities as an elder as well. Sincere is an important one, and it's one that that we are uh, that we're lacking. Okay, when you get to be a deacon, let alone an elder. Okay, again, um, sincerity is important. Um, There, there is really no more important quality as a Christian. Hear me say this. There is no more important quality as a Christian, let alone a Christian leader, than sincerity. Okay, what does it mean to be sincere, right? It means to be genuine. It means to be authentic. It means to be unpretentious. It means you're not fake. It means you're real. 
Why do I say that's the single most important quality? Because God, and hear me say this, not will not, cannot, cannot. It's not possible for him to move in sincerity. It's against to move in a lack of sincerity, to move in pretense. It's not possible for him to move in your life or to move in our life when we're fake. It goes against his very nature, right? He, he can't cross that boundary. Just like he can't lie, he can't move in your life if you're fake, if you're disingenuine, if you're pretentious, if you're inauthentic, right? So obviously we want to grow in our relationship with him and with one another and just being real and being candid, right? And being straightforward, um, you know, and being authentic in being sincere, okay? Sincerity, again, I'll say it again, it's the single most important quality for any Christian to be growing in um, and in for any leader to have, okay? There, there, never did Jesus rebuke the religious leaders more than for their hypocrisy and insincerity and pretense, okay? Deacons, likewise, are to be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, Again, um, a deacon ought not be consistently getting drunk. It's, it's obvious. It was said about that for the elders as well. It doesn't say he can't have a drink, okay? But he ought to be temperate in his drinking, tempered. And not pursuing dishonest gain, okay? Um, a, a deacon can be a hustler, okay? He can't, he can't be hustling, right? He can't be trying to cheat people. He can't be trying to get money in, you know, in ways that are not, uh, you know, that are, that, are, that are not just, you know, biblically sound in dishonest ways, okay? Not pursuing dishonest gain. Verse 9, this is interesting. It says this about deacons. It doesn't say it about elders, but it's, it's even more important. The, the more authority we have in the church, the more important it is, right? Verse 9, they must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. So again, here it is. Uh, again, to, to be in a leadership position, you have to hold on with a clear conscience, believing that the Bible is the word of God and that you're growing to know the truth and the deep truths of the faith. And really what that means is the primary doctrines, okay? Primary doctrine is doctrine that's essential to salvation, Okay. Um, secondary doctrine is doctrine that's not essential to salvation, but it is certainly important for our growth in Christ. And then tertiary doctrine, tertiary just means third in line, it simply means doctrine that's, that's not essential to salvation and it's not essential to growth in Christ. Okay. Do we have a coffee bar at the church or not? Uh, do we have pews or do we have chairs? Okay. Do we do the service on Saturday or do we do it on Sunday? Um, you know, do we start at 9 a.m. or do we start at 11? Okay, none of these things are essential to growth in Christ, okay, or salvation. But a deacon must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. So again, whether you're a deacon or an elder, you ought to have a lifestyle of being in the word of God. You need to understand the word of God, okay? Now again, it doesn't include that a, de a deacon must be able to teach. So again, if someone does not only doesn't have the gift of teaching, but they're not very good at explaining at things, but they show all the other leadership qualities, they can serve as deacons. Um, again, and with a clear conscience, simply you're convicted in your conscience that Jesus is the son of God, the Bible is the word of God, and that, you know, only 
in growing to know Jesus and walking with Jesus and receiving Jesus can we have any relationship with our triune God in any manner, in any way, right? Our triune God, one being, right? Three distinct individual persons, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Verse 10, they must first be tested. And then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. Um, again, it's an interesting statement. They must first be tested. This would be doubly so for elders. Okay. So again, this statement, they must first be tested. The fact that Paul doesn't mention it for elders, uh, implies that an elder would have been a deacon before they were an elder. Okay. That, that this testing means that people have seen them have taken note of their walk. Okay. That, 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 that leaders and the congregation at large, the ministry at large, the church at large has seen these people's, these men's behavior, um, you know, has seen their, their walk with Christ, has seen their devotion, um, has seen their love, has seen their heart to be a blessing, their heart to encourage, their heart to exhort, right? They must first be tested, okay? Um, this is essential for, for really, you know, any, you know, church leadership position. But again, once you get to deacon, Especially you have to be tested and then elder, there ought to be a, a, a significant, significant testing. And again, you would have been tested as a deacon before you ever got to the place of elder. Right. Um, but again, there are places in the church, the, the levels of leadership that the testing is not important, but there still ought to be some. Right. If we're serving in the church at all, that we ought to have a growing devotion to Jesus. They must first be tested. If someone doesn't want to be tested, they don't need to be a leader. Okay, and leaders ought to be willing to be tested even when they are leaders. Okay, we can get to a point once we arrive at the position of elder or pastor or bishop, and you know, someone asks us questions or wants to, to ask us why we're doing things. If we get offended at that, we really need to check our heart. Okay, um, as I said before, let me make this clear as the body of Christ is responsible to the deacons and elders in the different local congregations or ministries, okay? So are the leaders, right? I, I, you know, I can't make this clear enough because we can get a little confused as leaders, right? We can think that as elders, we're not accountable to the congregation. You most certainly are. And if you don't want to be, you ought to step out of, out of that position today. So should I, okay? As, as the ministry is accountable to me, I'm accountable to them, Okay. Um, and again, if we see characteristics where a deacon or elder doesn't want to be in that way, you ought not be at that church, uh, or, or certainly that elder needs to, you know, or deacon needs to be spoken to and so that they too can understand really how this authority works. Okay. Authority is not a one way street. Okay. They must first be tested. And then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. Okay. When it says nothing against them, this means obviously no overt continual sin. They're not going to be perfect. Okay. Every one of us fails in different ways in all of these characteristics between elders and deacons. Some of us do some of them better. Some, some of us do others better. Right. Verse 11. This is an interesting statement. In the same way, their wives, and this is, you know, almost certainly talking about the wives of the deacons. This would obviously, you know, be the wives of the elders as well. In the same way, their wives are to be women worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy and everything. So again, and he is pointing out women here. Um, it's, it's as if Paul 2000 years ago has the idea 
that men are going to be more temperate and more thoughtful in their words. Men are not going to be gossiping. Um, that, that if you're a man of God, that these things ought not be mentioned among you. Okay. Now, I have to say, in 2024, I cannot see any difference, for the most part, regrettably, between Christian men and Christian women when it comes to being not malicious talkers, but temperate. Okay. It seems to me that men have gotten all as bad. Okay. And that's not okay. All right. Now, again, this doesn't mean that 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 the women should not be as temperate and trustworthy um, and use their words with restraint and and respectable. Right. And respectful, um, not given to gossip. Right. But, the, you know, uh, of course. Right. No matter how bad we get as men, we're not going to ask the women to do worse. OK, um, there can be no question there. There there are more women now in our congregations, it seems, um, going after Jesus than there are men again and it's wrong but we're not gonna we're not gonna one bit hold up a woman because men are dragging their butts behind as men we need to to get out and get in front of this whole thing and be the men that Jesus has called us to be uh, so that we can be the leaders we've been called to be in the same way their wives are to be women worthy of respect so again if you're a deacon or an elder um, you know, uh, your, your wife ought to be, you know, a, a woman who handles herself in a way that's just, that, that's just, you know, that's sound, right? She uses her words, her dress, um, you know, how she handles herself, how she carries herself ought to be worthy of respect, which is to say, not a malicious talker. You're not gossiping. You're not slandering people, right? You're not going out of your way to continually talk about what's wrong with, with, with everybody or this or that or that. It's a problem, okay? And as I said, men have the problem, Al is bad, but temperate and trustworthy in everything, okay? Um, so again, uh, someone who has a position of deacon or, or, or elder in the church, um, again, you don't have to be married by any means to have these positions of deacon or elder. But if you are married, then then the wife of the elder or deacon should have these godly characteristics. Again, she's not going to be perfect, um, no more than they are. Certainly I'm not. But they, they, it ought to be important to her. It ought to be something that she's working on. Right? All right. Verse 12. A deacon must be the husband of but one wife. It must manage his children and household well. It says the same thing about elders. Um, again, um, uh, you know, one wife means that, again, he's married to one woman at a time. He's a one woman man, so to speak, right? Um, he's not in polygamy. Um, you know, he's faithful to his wife, okay? Um, again, it doesn't mean he has to be married. When it says a deacon must be the husband of but one wife, it doesn't mean if you're not married, you're not qualified to be a deacon or elder. OK, in that case, Jesus or the Apostle Paul who wrote this couldn't be deacons or elders. OK, so um, this is if a deacon is married. And it's the same qualification of the elders. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that that he cannot have ever been divorced. Again, all of these qualities in this entire chapter remarkably. Right. Adroitly. Um, right. I remember Dr. Chester taught me that word. I like it. Uh, adroitly. um, are focused on a man's present character, okay, or, or their wives. It's speaking to his present character. It has nothing to do with past performance, okay? Every one of us, if we looked at our past performance, would fall pretty bad. Imagine if the Lord judged us by our 10 worst moments in our lives. Lord Jesus, golly, you could see why, 
right? The best five minutes I live would send me right to hell. Have mercy, Lord. Whew. Deacon must be the husband of but one wife and manages children and household well. So again, he, ought, he has to have his own house in order, right? Not perfectly, but again, if, 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 a, if, a, if a man's household is in complete disarray, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, and relationally, why would we promote him to be a leader in the church? Um, you know, uh, again, his Christianity ought to be, he ought to be leading his house and bringing Christ into every aspect of his home with his children, his wife, or whoever is, is consistently living in his home, right? Verse 13 is an awesome verse. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. So you notice those who have served, okay? So uh, again, a deacon, actually the word means servant, okay? Those who have served well gain an excellent standing, but look at this, and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. The more we are serving, now an elder ought to have this servant heart as well, okay? Remember, when you move into eldership, you need to take like, you've, you've exercised as a deacon so well that now as an elder, you just, you know, you're, you're such an example to the deacons. But those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Our faith grows as we serve. This principle will serve every Christian all over the world. You don't have to be a leader in the church or in a ministry anywhere for this to happen. When you serve well, when you are a servant as a Christian, when you're serving the word of God and the son of God and the kingdom of God to bring glory to God our Father, right? Being led and convicted by the Holy Spirit. The better we do that, the more we do that, the more confident we become in our faith in Jesus. The more confident, the more bold we become, the more real this whole thing becomes. There is a blessing to serving well, whether you have a title, you know, in church or not, okay? Those who have served well gain an excellent standing, okay? And great assurance, okay? Again, you, you go from standing in a, you know, in a way that's okay, that's pretty good, to an excellent standing in Christ and a great assurance in your faith in Christ Jesus. You get more confident in the whole thing. It becomes more real, more substantial, right? Bam. Boom. Verse 14, Paul says, although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that, verse 15, if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. So again, Paul says he's not there right now. He's probably, perhaps in Macedonia right now, um, and he's hoping to visit Timothy in Ephesus soon. Verse 14, although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing these, these instructions. So this is what Paul did. Again, he wrote the word of God. We don't know that he knew by any means that he was actually writing the scriptures, but you know, these are people he had led to Christ, right? And, and he's writing these letters. And again, he wrote half the New Testament. There are 27 books or letters in the New Testament. Paul wrote 13 of them, okay? Um, although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these, these instructions. So again, he would write instructions in his letters, instructions of what to believe and instructions on how to live in light of that belief and trust in Jesus. Bam. Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that, verse 15, if I am delayed, 
you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. Now, this doesn't mean a building. Okay, we can read this and think when we're talking about God's household, it's a building. Okay, no, the building is fine. The building is not, there's nothing special about a building. Again, almost all churches were house churches at this point, right? They, they were meeting in someone's house. It's not the house that's important. Again, the church is, is, is a body of believers that comes together. The building is not what's important, okay? Where you meet is not what's essential. What's essential is that you do meet, whether you meet in a, a, a church building, so to speak, um, as we as we often do, um, and that's a wonderful thing, whether you meet in someone's house, um, whether you meet in a public setting, uh, whether you meet at a coffee shop, wh wherever you are, okay? If I'm delayed, you'll know how people ought to conduct conduct themselves in God's household, okay? Which is the, the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth, okay? Um, you know, we are the body of Christ, okay? Um, we are, you know, we are just, we are one body in Jesus. All of us are spiritually related as Christians, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth, okay? The church doesn't make the truth, okay? But the church's job, okay? All Christians' job as one body is to consistently proclaim the truth and live out the truth better and better and better in Jesus Christ our Lord, okay? There is no my truth. There is no God's truth. There is only the truth, okay? That's a statement that ought to be removed from the church, okay? It ought to be removed from the world. It's just a, it's a nonsensical statement. There's no God's truth and there's no my truth, there's only the truth. The truth is, of course, God's truth, right? So anything that's true, that's just factual, that is in fact true, is God's truth, right? Mm. Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. And then you have this doxology to end the chapter. It's pretty cool. Um, Paul says, beyond all question, the mystery of godliness is great. And he's used this word mystery before. Um, the mystery of godliness is great. And then all of these things are speaking to Jesus. He appeared in his body. Uh, he appeared in a body again, God himself, Jesus. All of these are speaking about Jesus now. All of them are speaking about Jesus. He appeared in a body, okay? God himself, God the Son, the Son of God, took on humanity. You know, he, he is fully God. He didn't lessen God. He added humanity to his deity, bam. He appeared in a body, was vindicated by the spirit. When he was raised from the dead and even his ministry, the spirit of God vindicated him that he is indeed full-blown almighty God, never more than in his resurrection, was vindicated by the spirit that Jesus Christ is the only savior and the son of God, was seen by angels. This is a big deal, right? Be, being seen by angels. You don't see angels around other religions, right? Because biblical Christianity is the one true, you know, way to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father, with God the Father. And it's only in and through Jesus Christ our Lord. Was seen by angels, okay? Angels attested to all these things. Was preached among the nations, right? The gospel of Jesus Christ has gone out all over the world and we need to keep doing it. Was believed on in the world, more and more people are receiving Christ as Savior, was taken up in glory, his ascension. He was received back in heaven. And by the way, he still has that 
eternal body. God the Father and God the Holy Spirit are spirit beings only, but God the Son for all eternity will have, uh, along with his full-blown deity, he has a an, an immortal eternal body as well, like we will have, right? When we live this life, we'll get a new body, an immortal body. Bam. Father, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness, your favor, your wonder, your grace, and your love. Father, I do ask you to help us to, as, as, uh, you know, as Christians, Lord, those who make up the body of Christ, the church, Lord, help us, Father, to, to, to more and more, you know, be a foundation of the truth. Help us to hold on to the truth, Father, the truth that the Bible is the word of God and that Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of God, God the Son, our only Savior, our only hope, our only Master, our only King, our only Deliverer from an eternity in hell. Lord Jesus, we worship you, we praise you, we thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you appeared in a body, that you were indeed vindicated by the Spirit, that you were seen by angels, you were preached among the nations, you are believed on in the world, and you were taken up in glory. Holy Spirit, seal the message to our hearts now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.